Good testimonies. I'd like you to turn in your Bibles, if you would, to Matthew 17. Matthew 17. Matthew 17. Okay, Matthew 17. Are you there? Go to verse 14. Guys, alive? Just say yes. This is in Matthew 17. This is where they were, uh, the disciples, they came back, they were praying for this man. It says, and when they had come to the multitude, a man came to him, uh, kneeling down to him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is an epileptic and suffers severely, for he often falls into the fire and often into the water. So I brought him to your disciples, but they could not cure him. Then Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with... Wait a minute. Thank you. How long should I be with you? Bring him to me. And Jesus rebuked the demon... And it came out of him, and the child was what? And the child was what? And the child was what? That very hour. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, Why could we not cast it out? Because they tried, but they failed. Have you ever prayed for someone and it didn't work? That's what they're asking here. They're saying, what, what's going on here, Lord? And Jesus said to them, because of your what? Unbelief. unbelief. Say unbelief. unbelief. All right, so why doesn't some people get healed? Unbelief, that's right. There can be a resistance of unbelief. There also can be a demonic resistance, but there can be a resistance in unbelief. For assuredly, I say to you that if you have faith, say faith, as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will, by, nothing will be impossible for you. However, this kind does not come out except for by prayer and what? Fasting. Let's, let's read that again. However, this kind does not come out except by what? Prayer and fasting. Some translations just says prayer. And some translations say prayer and fasting. But the thing that has to be noted here is that when he said some come out only by prayer, he was referring to a type of prayer that required fasting. Does that make sense? It's, it's like saying, I'm going to go to a wedding, I'm going to wear my best suit. Well, that includes a tie or a bow tie, right? So he said, some come out only through prayer or some translations, prayer and fasting. It's the same thing. It's the same thing. So uh, the disciples come to him. They're questioning. He says, unbelief is an issue. And also he says, 
that prayer and fasting are something that can bring tremendous power into your life and bring results. I've seen through the years when people have had marriage issues or they've had an issue with a child or they've had a disease that they couldn't figure out what's going on. And, and God began to lead that family through prayer and fasting. And as they were dedicated in the area of prayer and fasting, they had a breakthrough. Fasting is one of the power tools in the New Testament. Even when God was going to judge Nineveh in the Old Testament. You remember that story? One of the most wicked cities in all of the known world at that time, Nineveh. Say Nineveh. Nineveh. It was in a horrible place. They were in witchcraft. We're talking about witchcraft up here and, and uh, um, at that circus thing. But this was, uh, this was a city that had dedicated themselves unto a false god, and they were deep into witchcraft. It was wicked, wicked, wicked. And when God sent the prophet down to call them back to repentance, God was going to destroy that city. And, and uh, so then Jonah goes out and he preaches, and we see that, that the city turned around, and the thing that captivate the heart of God is when the people repented and they fasted and prayed. And the Bible says that the heart of God there, see, God turned and he spared that city. Fasting is a nuclear warhead in the New Testament and Old Testament. It is the power tool from heaven to turn the tide. You guys okay? So here there's this boy, couldn't get healed, they couldn't figure it out. And Jesus said, some come by prayer and fasting. So I want to look at that a little bit. Now we have a Jewish feast coming up shortly. Um, what what is the name of the feast? Does anyone know? Yom Kippur, Rosh Hashanah. That's part uh, as well. There's actually about three in a row. There's the the uh, Feast of Tabernacles that's there. But this time and it, and it ends up on September 25th. And every year in in the Jewish world, they consider that time a time of resetting their life. They contemplate where they're at, where they've been, the failures they've had, and they use this season to reflect on their family and get things back into alignment. They say in in the Jewish faith, they'd say, how you come in to Rosh Hashanah, the Feast of Tabernacles, or yeah, of Tabernacles, and the Day of Atonement, how you come into that is how your next year is going to go. That's their saying. How you come in is how the next year will go. And it's a time of resetting the heart, getting back into that place with God. And uh, so in the Jewish faith, that is a very high watermark one of the most holy times of the year is the year that is the time that we're coming into Yom Kippur now here's here's something else uh the prophets even present day prophets 
But a lot of the prophets of old, New Testament prophets, they considered Yom Kippur one of the days, the most holy days of the year, where they could hear on a whole nother level. And if they would fast and pray and set themselves apart and allow the Holy Spirit to speak to them, God would give them downloads on Yom Kippur that they normally wouldn't hear. Isn't that interesting? Everything keeps pointing back to this, this season. It's just simply, it's a resetting time. It's, it's getting things back in order. It's kind of like spring cleaning. You go and you clean your house. I don't know why they do it once a year, but you know, like a bunch of college kids. Oh, mom's coming and we better clean up. But Yom Kippur, that's what it is. And part of preparing for Yom Kippur, part of preparing for an encounter with God was this whole element of fasting. And we're going to explore that a little bit today because I think it's a powerful thing. This is what the Lord says. The Day of Atonement, uh, let's see, fasting, let me skip down here for the sake of time. So uh, Ephesians 6.12, go, go there. Ephesians 6.12, flip over in your Bibles. It says this, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, so we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. Sometimes when you're wrestling with your teenager that's rebellious, it isn't always flesh and blood. But against the rulers, against authorities, against the cosmic powers over the present darkness, against spiritual forces. Sometimes things aren't just bad luck. You own a business, and it just seems like things are coming against you, coming against you. You're trying to be a good steward. You're getting up early. You're doing the things that you know you're to do, but it just isn't working out. Sometimes we need to uh, rise up and realize that there are dark forces at work. It says, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against spiritual forces. Are there spiritual forces at play? Yes. Yeah. I, I've prayed with a lot of people through the years, and uh, I've seen many people delivered. I remember one guy that was losing his mind. And he called me in a panic, and he'd been going through that for about a month, and he was so scared, he felt like he was losing his mind. He called me in a panic. He said, will you please come down and meet me? And this is about 11 o'clock at night. I don't know how he got my number. I think Mark must have gave it to him. Well, you can call pastor. I said, it's like 11 o'clock, and he started crying, and I thought, oh, man. Oh, Lord. I said, I'll meet you at the church. I'll let you in. So I drove to the church, and I let him in. And uh, I'm talking to him, and all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit shows me what's actually going on. 
it wasn't just a neurotic thing. It was a, it was a spiritual host of wickedness. It was, it was a demonic spirit that was troubling him. And I walked him through some things, and here he, he began to unpack a whole bunch of hidden sin, things that he had given the devil access to his life through. He began to repent of those things. And then I simply put my hand on his head, and I began to take authority over a spiritual force that was trying to take his mind. The power of God hit him. He fell down. He was completely delivered. He was completely delivered. He left different than when he came in. And he was crying and crying. He wanted to get married, and he, he, he didn't, you know, he felt like he was losing his mind. And he was, he was so neurotic or so upset, he just kept, like, sitting on the ground crying. How, you know, how many men are just going to just curl up in a ball? But that was the condition he was in. And the power of God delivered him, and he left in his right mind. And then I kept checking up on him, and then it was a week, and then a month, and then, uh, then it was like six months. And he went and he got married, and he's still living a good life. He doesn't live in Wisconsin unless he moved back. Um, but uh, God set him free. So we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but there are powers and forces that affect people. You guys with me? I remember one time, uh, 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 you talk about dark things. I had a Cunandero uh, one time come up to me. He was a, uh, a Hispanic uh, witch doctor, and he came in, and he was going to torment me. And, and uh, when he looked at me, he tried to dominate me, and his eyes went from, you know, the, the pupils that are round. They went to, like, the shape of a cat's eyes, and he just kept staring at me. And the Spirit of God began to well up inside of me. And there was this, this standoff of the Spirit. You do know that there's nothing greater than the name of Jesus? We have tremendous power in His name. I had a woman in witchcraft one time come, and, you know, she was going to intimidate me and, and whatever, and it's not me. We have to lean back on the Lord. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And I remember I just stood there and I, I stared at her and the power of God hit her and she fell on the ground and curled up in a ball. I don't know what the deal is with the ball, but uh, it's kind of showing the, the strength that the devil has when it comes to Jesus. She got delivered. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. There are opposing forces but God, through His grace, through the blood of Jesus, cleanses us, amen? amen. And we have superior, a superior position in Jesus over any darkness. Hallelujah? All right. 2 Corinthians 10.4, it says, For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. I want to repeat that. 2 Corinthians 10.4. I'm, I'm trying to give you something to equip you today. People are like, well, I'm just, whatever. If it's God's will, it'll happen. It's like, who taught you that? 
tear that thing up and throw it away. No, God assigned you to do some things. God gave you weapons to take the weapons and make an impact. Amen? Our communities need to get saved. It takes us to step up and win them. Amen? Amen. Well, if it's God's will, it'll happen. That is the most lazy-minded, demonic thinking. Amen? No. We need to rise up and take the weapons of our warfare and to make a difference in this world. Well, it'll just happen. Can you imagine having a job and the, the, the boss is like, hey, I need you to sweep the warehouse? Well, if it's God's will, it'll just happen. What are you going to do? Well, I'm just going to watch cartoons on my phone. Well, it just happened. Second Corinthians 10.4, For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy the strongholds. Now, who is the keeper of that divine power on earth? Who is that? Who is the keeper of that divine power on earth? Who, who manages that? Who distributes that? The church. Are you part of the church? You are the mouthpiece of God, and you are the hands and feet of God on the earth. I wish God would move. Yeah, I wish God would move through you. I wish more people would get healed. Yeah, if you prayed for more people, more people would get healed. Amen? For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy, to bring change in your life. You have divine power to bring change in your life. I'd like you to say, I have divine power. I have divine power. Amen. Mahesh Shevda, I love this story, and I went back and I read it again because I wanted to get it right. Mahesh Shevda wrote a book called uh, uh, The Secret Power of Prayer and Fasting. Have you read it? I think we had the interns read it. It's one of the most powerful books on prayer and fasting. It's super good. Well, Mahesh was a Hindu guy, and a missionary went to his house and won him to Jesus in India. He was of the highest caste system. They were a wealthy family, and very, you know, they had a lot of influence. And uh, so Mahesh gives his life to Jesus. And his whole family is very upset with him because he's disrupting uh, their spiritual aura or whatever. This is a, a bad deal. Um, so he goes on a journey to find the Lord in a deep way. So he starts reading the Bible, and he gets connected with a guy by the name of Derek Prince. And Derek begins to mentor him. Well, one of the things that happened in his process was he went back and he, he was still working. He worked at a, um, at a facility that helped uh, children because he had a degree in that area. And they, they took in special needs children and they took in certain children that had medical issues. And these were children that needed a lot of care and attention. And one of the, one of the, the kids that he met in there was a... a child by the name of Stevie, and he was about, oh, about 13, 14 years old. And Stevie uh, 
he was slow, but he was also a self-mutilator. And they had to tie his hands down to his side with a special um, apparatus because he would slap himself in the face continually until the blood would flow. And he had a face that was so leathery, he said it didn't even look real. So when they tied his hands down, they thought they corrected the problem. But now, because there was other kids in the facility, they thought it was fun to bump into him. And then he has no way to catch himself, so he'd fall and he'd hit his face again. And this was a, a repeated thing. This happened all the time. And so when he got to know this little Stevie, he said his heart began to break. And he began to study the Scripture about healing and about, you know, what God can do and can't do today. And, and one of the things, he was in prayer about Stevie, and the Lord spoke to him, and he said this. This is the Holy Spirit. Say Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. See, God always has an answer to every problem. God always has an answer to every problem. Well, mine's too big. No, it's not. God has an answer to every problem. So he's praying, and the Lord says to him, I want you to fast for 14 days, and then you're going to pray for him. Now, how many would fast for 14 days for someone? 14 days. So he's like, Lord, you know, I don't know if I even like the kid. No, he didn't say that. 14 days. So there he is. He's fasting for 14 days. And then he gets near to the end of the 14 days, and the Spirit of the Lord speaks to him again. And he says, now I want you to fast not only food, but no water for the last three days. He's like, wow, this is crazy. But every day his heart would break when he'd see that poor kid roaming the halls. And this is, this is a true story. You can read it in his book. I've heard him in interviews bring it up. And, uh, and, I, and again, that he worked with Derek Prince. Derek Prince was a man of God. Amen. And uh, just a tremendous man of God. He had integrity. People trust him all over the, the world. And uh, so there he is. He's in the last day of his fast. And the Lord says, you can pray for him today. So he's all excited, and he takes Stevie, and he brings him into a private room. And he looks at him, and this kid, he's slow, and he's all beat up and battered, you know. And he looks at this poor kid, and all of a sudden, he feels the unction of the Spirit come upon him. He's getting excited. He feels the Holy Spirit come upon him. He looks at Stevie... And he said, this is in his book, he said this. He said, Stevie, I don't think you can understand what I'm about to tell you, but the Lord Jesus sent me here to show you his love and his power, and today he's going to set you free. And he raised his hand up, and he said, In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I command that tormenting spirit to leave you now. And when he said now... There was a flash of light in the room. Stevie was kicked back 15 feet, and he said he hovered in the air for just a second and then fell on the ground. He didn't know who was more excited. (laughs) 
He went over there. He untied him from his, his apparatus that kept his hands down. And Stevie was crying and crying and crying and crying for a long time, and he just held him. And then he began to come to, and, and he just kept rubbing his face, and then he would cry, and then he'd rub his face, and then he'd cry. And he said he worked at that facility for another, like, six months or a year. And he said, Stevie never again had that issue. Fasting is a power tool in the kingdom of God. And sometimes we need to have the, the, uh, the drive when we have an issue and it doesn't seem to be happening through regular prayer, we need to take it up a notch into fasting. And if that doesn't seem to work, get a group of people to fast. And there is not one mountain. The Bible says you can speak to a mountain and say, get cast into the sea. Amen? There's nothing too difficult for God. We need to know the weapons of our warfare, that there are tools to bring change in our life. We want to see our cells grow, our cell groups. We should be fasting and praying for our cell leaders. But if we want to see them grow as a church to fast and pray and to believe God that He can win souls into the kingdom, amen? The Bible actually says that Satan comes to blind the eyes of the unbeliever to prevent them from believing in Christ. And prayer and fasting is an amazing tool to rip the blinders off so they can see the truth. You guys okay? However, this kind does not come out except by prayer and fasting. Again, Matthew 17, 21. So there are a number of weapons of warfare. I like every one of them. Number one, we have the Word, the Bible, the weapon of warfare. Amen? Number two is fasting. Number three is worship. Worship is a powerful tool that can offset the enemy. Faith obedience, and authority. Those are different tools that God gave us. So fasting is not earning. I want to repeat that again. Fasting is not earning. Fasting is not works. You can fast 40 days and not be more saved. You can fast 40 days and not be any more saved. When you received Christ, you received Christ. Whether you fast or don't fast, He loves you and you're saved. Amen? Amen. So don't put in your mind that fasting is earning. Fasting has to do with us, not with God. Fasting has to do with us, not with God. And God does honor a fast. But fasting, it, as some have said, it, it cleans out the pipes. It gets us from the flesh man to the spirit man. Faith doesn't come from the flesh man. Faith comes from the spirit man. And when the spirit man is in charge, faith rages and uh, impossibilities start to happen. So faith, uh, fasting has everything to do with myself and not with God. 
It gets me in a place that my spirit man can move in faith. Does that make sense? Derek Prince said this, It is a God-appointed way to humble ourselves to obtain answers. The number one barrier to receiving answer to prayer is pride. A lot of times, if, if you're not seeing answers to prayer, or when you're praying for people to be delivered or to be healed, you're praying for breakthrough in your business, a breakthrough in your family, one of the things, if it's not happening, is to step back, look in the mirror, and say, Lord, expose any pride that's in me. Amen? How many know that we can get into pride? Yeah? I'd like you to just point at someone here that you feel is prideful. Everyone's pointing at me. The number one barrier to receiving answers from God is pride. The problem with pride is you don't know you're proud. Pride is blinding. In the Old Testament and in the New Testament, we never see where God humbles people. People have to humble themselves. God will speak it, God will show it to them, but they have to take the action to actually humble themselves. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord. Humble yourself. Humble yourself with fasting. Humble yourself with fasting. Humble yourself. Go low before the Lord. All these different scriptures about humbling ourselves. David was a man that was used mightily. He was a king, and he had to say this, Search me, O God, in all my heart, and show me, and see if there be any wicked way in me. Why is that? Because he knew that he was a man of reputation. He was a king. He was a prophet. And it would be very easy to get prideful. So he had to say, Lord, show me. I'm glad that none of us struggle with this. I've counseled many people in marriage, and one of the things that I see often is this sense of pride. Pride can come in, and they don't want to see the wrong that they're committing. It's too painful to know I have a problem, so I'm going to pretend, and I'm going to create an atmosphere in my life called pride. So instead of dealing with my issues, I'm going to justify them. That's called pride. You guys okay? The number one barrier to receiving answers to prayer is pride. Man, I don't want that in my life. The Lord will show me things like that, and I'm just like, man. God, whatever it takes, I ask you to strip it out of me. So one of the greatest tools for removing pride is what? Fasting. Our church is fasting 21 days through September. And one of the things that'll happen through that is is the the pride that blinds us will begin to tear away. The spirit man begins to rise, the flesh man begins to die. And anything is possible in that environment. Here's another quote, fasting deals with two great barriers to the holy spirit spirit 
These are the stubborn will, self-will of the soul, and the instant self-gratifying appetites of the body. These are two things that war against the spirit man. And fasting conquers both. Isn't that good? 1 Peter 5, 5 and 6, it gets better, so just, just hang on. I'm, I'm trying to, to release a tool here to bring change in our lives. 1 Peter 5, 5 and 6, go ahead and turn there. First Peter 5, 5 and 6. Are you there? God resists the proud and gives grace to the what? God resists. Is this New Testament? Is this in your Bible? Who's he talking to? Unbelievers or believers here? The believers. He's talking to the believers at the church there. And he says, God resists the proud. He resists them. I thought that was the devil always resisting me. Well, sometimes it's God. Isn't that something? And here we think we're always fighting the devil. Sometimes we do. But sometimes we're actually fighting the hand of God. Because we won't comply. We won't bend. And there are areas that we feel like it's the devil and it's God himself resisting us. God resists the proud. Well, don't get upset about that. Just do the opposite. It says, but he gives grace to the humble. So if I feel that, help me to say, God, Lord, help me to say, Lord, what area am I resisting you? Give me the grace to yield to you to get past this thing. Anyone here ever feel like God resisted you? The Bible says, when you humble yourself, you'll be exalted. When you humble yourself, you'll be exalted. When I go low, I'll go high. I can't go high until I go low. God, trust me with your divine power. Lord, let me be a world evangelist. And the Lord's like, okay, but get on the carpet. Oh, a world evangelist would never be on the carpet. I should be up here. I don't know, ask Reinhard Bunke. 78 million people wanted Jesus, people raised from the dead, and he was an extremely humble man, a sweet individual, super kind. People would come and talk to him, known all over the world. Uh, he's been in the paper, been on TV. And uh, Ron Kinnear, the, one of the guys that came and spoke not too long ago, was a personal friend of his, helped him do crusades. He said Reinhard Bunke was a sweet man that was very approachable. See, he was a humble man. God could trust a humble man with the power of the kingdom. You guys okay? The Bible says that David said, I humbled myself with fasting. I humbled myself with what? Fasting. You're thinking, well, can I fast if I can just eat pizza? Fasting is not always easy. Some people want to just fast cartoons or they, they just want to do a fast fast. I've had people say, I'm fasting Brussels sprouts. 
I'm fasting chocolate for Lent. I'm thinking, this is a game. My question to a person about their fast is this. Is your choice of fast going to bring the breakthrough in your life that you need? Is your choice of fast going to bring the breakthrough in your life that you need? It's not about works. It's not about salvation. It's not about that stuff. It's about getting me into alignment so the Spirit of God can move through me on a greater level. Amen? Amen. The flesh man, the Bible says, the flesh wars against the Spirit. And fasting has the flesh man go down and the Spirit man in me go up. How does God speak to an individual? He speaks to the Spirit man. How does God do signs, wonders, and miracles? He does them through the Spirit man. He doesn't do them through the flesh man. You guys with me? And fasting brings a balance. You don't have to fast every day. You don't have to fast every day of your life. But from time to time, we need to do a maintenance fast. John Wesley moved in power all over the United States and England back in the 1800s. His key was prayer and fasting. If you were going to go with him, you had, it was required that you fast two days a week because he said, I want you to be spiritually sharp and to be able to be used of God. Now, I think these guys know what they're talking about. Here's some of the things that fasting will release in your life when we start praying and fasting on a regular basis. Physical obedience in fasting and prayer releases the following. Number one, power. When I fast and pray, power is immediately released. Now, it's been there. I'm saved. I have access to it. But because of the flesh man is so big, I'm not using the power that's been granted. You guys with me? Just nod your head, sure. So as, as I fast and pray and I'm realigned on, on the inside, as I'm realigned through fasting and prayer, power is a result. How many want more power in your life? Oh, yeah. To believe if you have a business, to believe that God would remove the chaos, that God would come in and, and bring a more profitable year. You can do that and pray and fast for those things. So power, favor, help, help. I remember many of the stories in the Old Testament when an invading army was going to come in and take them. They had somebody in their camp that was a spy that came back, and they said, next week, this huge army's going to come. They're going to pulverize Israel. And what did the people do if they were wise? They called together a sacred assembly. They, they declared a fast, and uh, the, the whole nation would fast and surrender themselves, yield themselves to God's mighty hand. And it didn't even make sense. This army should have just conquered them. And the Bible says different times when they had fast, God would release angels, and the angels would go and confuse the army, and they'd end up killing each other. I think fasting is a good tool. We don't want your enemies to kill each other, but... Help, protection. Fasting can release protection on your family. 
protection on the church. If you're going to go on a mission trip in a scary area, it's good to do a a season of prayer and fasting. It releases the angelic for protection. Healing. Healing is a result of prayer and fasting. Miracles. Say miracles. It's a byproduct of a life of prayer and fasting. Blessing, direction, and the increase in soul winning. Those are all a result of prayer and fasting. Those are pretty good. Jesus, in Luke 4, 14, it says, Jesus returned to Galilee. Remember, he went out and he fasted for 40 days. How long? 40 days. I've done a 40-day fast. I was pretty skinny. Um, 40 days he went out. And he came back. Now, this is interesting. He was our template. He was God in the flesh. He was Jesus the Christ, but he was also our template of the born-again believer. And he went out and prayed for 40 days, fasted and prayed, conquered the devil. And some of us, we feel like we've never had victory in our callings because we didn't go out and conquer the devil and come back in power. We let that thing linger in our lives for 10, 20, 40 years. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and the news about him spread throughout the whole countryside. So fasting releases the power of the Spirit. Again, the power is there. He poured it out. But it depends on who's dominating this person right here. Is it the flesh man or is it the spirit man? Does that make sense? I'm going to give you this in one minute. Four reasons to fast. Number one, Jesus fasted. He made it a pattern in his life to fast. Now, if Jesus fasts, how much more should we then fast? Number two, Jesus expected his disciples to fast. They came to him and they said, John the Baptist's disciples are fasting on a regular basis, but yours don't. And he said, they don't have to as long as I'm with them. But he said, I'm going to leave, and then they will fast. Not they might, that they will fast. Because he knew it was a necessary ingredient to do maintenance on the flesh man. They needed to fast. Jesus expected his disciples to fast. Um, Next one, the early church fast. When they picked new leaders, they would fast and pray. When they needed breakthrough, they would fast and pray. When they needed a breakthrough in healing or deliverance, they would fast and pray. When they ordained elders, they would fast and they would pray. Why? Because they could hear clearly, and God could flow through them through a clear channel. Moses fasted. Remember, he did 40 days. He did 40 days without food or water. I don't recommend that unless it's the voice of God, Uh, because otherwise you may go see him. (laughs) All right. Last thing here, four things that fasting does. Number one, it humbles yourself. Fasting is so powerful. If you're struggling in your marriage 
and you don't know what to do, you're out of answers, begin to fast and pray. Something will begin to happen, and in that process of fasting and praying, the Lord will speak to you and just do what He says, and you guys will be okay. Fasting is a way of humbling ourselves. In the Old and New Testament, that was the key. I think as a nation, as the church prays and fasts, God will come through and bring change. It's the pattern. Next one, it brings insight into the spiritual realm. So as we fast and pray, God gives us insight. He gives us insight into the battle that we're facing. Otherwise, we run into a battle blind. But as we fast and pray, it's like our blinders come off, and we can actually see and understand what we need to do to win this battle. Does that make sense? It brings insight into the spiritual realm. And the next one is, it makes a way for the Holy Spirit. If you want to be used of God, you want to be used prophetically, you want to be used in healing, signs and wonders, unless you're special... Every other evangelist and healing evangelist and mighty prophet of God had a lifestyle of prayer and fasting. I was listening to Catherine Coleman, some of her stuff, and she talked about prayer and... Reinhard Bunking, prayer and... Derek Prince, prayer and... Bobby Connor, prayer and... It's just all over the place. And we're thinking, well, they have a special grace, or they learned a key to live an overcoming life. Amen? All right. So lastly, we're going to, I need to finish up. Uh, When you fast, number one, set your objective. What are you fasting for? You can have multiple objectives, but just have one or two or three. That's it. Why are you fasting? Write that down. This is why I'm fasting. Number two, make your commitment. How long are you going to fast? Don't decide that once you fast because then you'll make it to breakfast. (laughs) Write it down a day before, whatever. Write down how long you're going to fast. Are you going to do one meal a day, two meals a day? You're going to fast all day? You're going to fast all week? It's okay. Some do juice, some do water. Some do one meal a day, some do, and it depends on the urgency of your need. If you have a big need, do a big fast. Is it a one-day, a three-day, a seven-day, a 21-day, or a 40-day? Those are different ones that are laid out in Scripture. So lay out those rules before you do, otherwise you'll get into condemnation, and that was never the point of fasting. Then you're going to feel defeated. Well, it's not about condemnation. Amen? So write those things out ahead of time so when you enter your fast, you know what the rules are, and then do them with all your heart under the Lord until something begins to change in you. And then, as it says in Isaiah 58, it says, then your morning shall break forth like the dawn. It's like the sun coming up over the earth in the morning. You're like, wow! That's what happens when you do the proper fast before God change actually happens. Amen? So Yom Kippur is coming up. It's a good time. That's why we're fasting as a church, to prepare ourselves for an encounter with the king. 
for God to reveal pride, for God to tear down things that, that shouldn't be there so we can live and flow on a whole another level. Amen? We also want to pray and fast for our area, for our schools, for our, the salvation of friends. All those things are worthy things. Amen? But fasting is a gift from the Lord to bring a change in our life. You want a change in your finances? Nothing seems to work? You start praying and fasting, and you can't, you can't keep heaven from blessing you. Amen? Because you're blowing away the hindrances. All right, let's stand up. Today I gave you a teaching on fasting. We heard some good testimonies. But I think God wants to speak this. He wants to stir you because He wants you to live on another level. He wants to show you, just like in Matthew, why that lady wasn't, that boy wasn't set free when the disciples prayed but they were when he was when Jesus prayed for him. See, he said, some come by prayer and fasting. How many are ready to fast a little bit? Say, okay, God, I'm, I'm tired of this thing in my life. I want to see a change. I'm going to fast. I'm tired of the things in my community. I'm ready to fast. I'm tired of the things in the schools. I'm going to pray and fast for them. I want to see their church explode on a whole nother level. I'm going to pray and fast. Amen. Amen. Just, just close your eyes and let's just connect to him for just a moment. Father, we just call upon you, Lord. And Lord, as you've called the church to fast in this time, Lord, I pray that you would stir in us, God. Strip pride from us. Tear those things down. Let the spirit man inside of us uh, begin to rise and the flesh man begin to go down. God, so we can begin to hear from you. So we can begin to operate in a stronger sense of faith. Oh God, you love the church. Lord, you died for the church. Father, you want to bless the church. But Lord, I pray that you encourage them now to step in and use a gift that you've given them to bring blessing and power in their life. Lord, we thank you now. In the mighty name of Jesus, how many can say amen?